do this. Hello and welcome to Three Friends in a Book. I'm Holly. I'm Janine. And I'm Caroline. Welcome back, Janine. Thanks. It's good to be back. We missed you on the last pod. Oh, I miss being here. But you guys did a great job. I was, I loved listening to it. Well, thanks. Well, thanks. We Without were brain number one, it was hard. Oh, whatever. We were trying to make you proud. We did. I was proud. <laughs> thanks, man. All right. So just as a reminder, what we uh, do around here is we read books, good and and sometimes not so good. But in doing so, we like to think about the quote by Hannah Arendt that says, The things of the world become more human for us only when we can discuss them with our fellows. We humanize what is going on in the world and in ourselves only by speaking of it. And in the course of speaking of it, we learn to be human. And so we keep that in mind as we read, and we keep that in mind as we teach our our classes. Um, And so for this time, we read The Golden House by Salmon Rushdie. Is that how you say that? Salmon Salmon? Salmon. Salmon Salmon is how he says it. (laughs) In his very cool voice. Yep. Salmon. Uh, It means peaceful. Do what? That's his name. It means means peaceful. peaceful. I know you've got to introduce stuff, but he said in in a podcast that Janine shared with me, he loves names. He loves names, and he loves naming his characters, and he takes all that very seriously. Interesting. And he talked about his own name, Salmon. It means peaceful. Okay. Um, he is from India. He was born in in, in in Bombay. And he was born in India when it was still British India. Uh, they didn't get their independence until a couple years later. Um, and then he moved to boarding school when he was 14. So he was a British Indian author. Another British author that we, we seem to like those quite a bit around here. Um, but he has lived in America for, uh, I think, quite a few years of his adult life. Didn't you say he voted in the last election? Yeah, it was a New York um, New York Public Library podcast, which was actually, it was an interview uh, with him in a public place. Like, there was an audience and everything. So he was being interviewed, and um, he spoke about um, participating in the last election. And so I didn't realize that um, he was a citizen. I did not know that either. Me either. And this is his 13th book, right? I believe so. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so what we decided a couple of few podcasts ago is we're not going to do summaries anymore because we are assuming that you guys have, have read the book. If you're listening to this, hopefully you have, if you haven't just spoiler alert, we're going to spoil the book (laughs) in our discussion about it. You can just pause, read it real quick (laughs) and then come back Uh, real quick. You got to read this book. Yes, it is a very, it's a, it's a fantastic book. I love it. And so the gist of it, not a summary, but just the gist of it is this man named Nero, um, moved from India with his three sons to reinvent himself, to escape um, some trouble that he was having in, in, in India. So he moved with his three sons, um, D, Petra, right? Mm-hmm. And Apu. Apu. Dionysus. Yeah. Which that's what D short for. Yeah, they all. He, that he, matters. Their new names are Roman names. They completely tried to. They choose themselves. their own names. Yeah. They choose their own names. And they moved to Greenwich Village, New York. Yep. You want to start us off with that quote? I do. So they move. So the narrator of the book, his name is Rene, and he is a um, only child of um, Belgian professors. Right. right, These these kind of eccentric um, professors who are just really cool. Their their relation, his relationship with his parents is really neat. They're neat people but he is the he narrates the story and he's a film guy he's a writer he's a film guy and by the way Rushdie said that he in Bombay they're 
the two most powerful things are movies, film, the film industry, and the uh, mafia. And that the mafia is very involved in the film industry. So he grew up, Rusty grew up, a big movie buff. So he makes his narrator a big movie guy. He says in that podcast, uh, Rusty does, that he it, this was really fun for him because it allowed him to get out all this movie stuff that was in his head. Some of the stuff I've never even heard um, of. It was, I just... I mean, it's all over the place, the, the movies. Yeah. Um, well, every all of the illusions. I mean, they just, they come fast so and furious. Good. They do. There's so many of them. Oh, it's so good. And so he says at the beginning of the book, he says he's looking for fodder for his big breakthrough movie, for this big, like, intellectual and emotional kind of passion. And that the family, they, the Golden, Golden is their new chosen last name. Mm-hmm. Right, so the Golden family. He decides early on, as soon as they move into um, his neighborhood, that they're going to be the fodder for his film. Okay, so he tells us that from the very beginning, and we know that he's telling the story after the fact, and something majorly tragic has happened. You know that right away, but that's all you know, mm-hmm. and then it's and then it's slowly revealed. So he says at the end of the second chapter, he says that the Goldens they move in. They reinvent themselves. They change their names. They change their history. They change their identity. And you know that's in order to bury something major. Um, And he says they're accepted in America because that's what America is. That's what America does. And then he says, I'm going to read the last paragraph of chapter two. He says, they were Americans now. But at last, things began to unravel. These were the causes of their fall. A sibling quarrel, an unexpected metamorphosis, the arrival in the old man's life of a beautiful and determined young woman, a murder, more than one murder, and far away in the country that had no name, finally, some decent, intelligent work. Intrigue. And you know that from chapter two, like you're tr- you're trying to piece together each one of those things, right, as a part of that list. Yeah, and so as you do it, the book starts to say interesting things about who we are and what can be left behind and um, how good are we and what does it mean to be good. And, uh, you know, I think that we, we struggle with where to start because there's so many big ideas um, expressed in such interesting ways. Janine and I have listened to this New York Public Library podcast, right? So I'm going to refer to it some only because it's the author talking about his book, and I think that it, that's an important voice in the conversation. Yeah. Now that I have these things in my head, there I can't un- have them in my head. So he says, Rushdie says in this interview that this book is about truth. Um, and he says in a society that has kind of like veered away from the acknowledgement that there is in fact truth, which means there is also untruth and identity mm-hmm. and, um, and, and kind of all encompassing. And Janine, you said he mentions early on um, the good and the bad, the notion of what makes a good person and what makes a bad person. And there's some, there's some great people in this book, and there's some bad people in this book. I mean, you get the spectrum of yeah. characters, which is really cool. Um, so in one scene, um, kind of halfway through the book, the main character, Nero, says to, um, says to Renee, the narrator, he says, um, 
that he uh, he asked some questions. He says, is it possible to be both good and evil? Can a man be a good man when he is a bad man? I just think um, we talk about this so much in class and in life in general. Like, I think that we come back to this all the time. Um, and it, this this is kind of hard to talk about for me, but um, I, I was trying to wait a little bit before mentioning our president. But here we go. Um, I think... This same idea may have been just to just maybe in giving the benefit of the doubt when he um, spoke in a, in the speech after Charlottesville about good people. There was always part of me that want that there's a, and remains a part of me that wants to believe that what he meant when he said that what that among the white supremacists there was some good people. I mean, I don't justify saying it at that point, but I think he was trying to get to this idea. Like, can a can a person be a good father? I think we, in our very first podcast, that came up so much in the um, Jody Foucault book. Like, can you, can you be a good person and a good something and um, be really bad about other things? And we know Nero's bad from the very beginning. Like, th- as soon as you start this book and he shows up in his limo, you're like, he's done something, something bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he starts to reveal himself as doing some kind of good stuff. Like, in this scene, what he's doing is helping Renee after his parents have died. And he, he's, you know, is like, I'm going to give you advice if you'll take it. And so once you get, to, the more you get to know Nero, there are parts of him where you see he's really trying to be good, at least to the people he loves who are immediately around him. Holly, you're looking at me in a way. Did you have something to, <laughs> to say? Well, <laughs> I was just looking, because in, in a couple pages before that, that word that he introduces that I've never heard of this word before, but synderesis um, was, is a word because his parents are professors and basically the kind of the, de- of the, of the definition of it is that within every person, we all have this uh, like a moral compass and we try to restrain ourselves from being evil. Um, and in that struggle to be, to try to be a good person while we do have these urges to do really terrible things. We have, like, our tendencies to be selfish and to, um, and to be greedy and what have you. And that struggle that we all feel between, between good and, and evil. Um, but in this book, y'all, I mean, going back to what, you know, we, th- we know about Nero and and what it means to be around people who constantly choose evil and what it means to to live in that world because that's what he says he talks about how the human race is savage and not moral um i had lived in the enchanted garden in go- enchanted garden but the savagery the meaninglessness and the fury had come over the walls and killed what i love most that in this book um nero nero i mean he's a bad guy and for the most part, and that's why everything falls apart for him in the end. Right? Yeah. But, but yes. he loves his children yeah. very much. And, you know, he, he does make very bad choices. Um, I think we're supposed to understand when he's explaining himself to Rhea toward yeah. the end that he was, he felt kind of forced into 
and saw no way out. This mafia life. Well, he wanted out, mm-hmm. and he couldn't get out. Like they would kill him. They would kill his kids. Like well, they threatened him. one of my favorite parts of the book is that the dude sings Hotel California to him. He's mm-hmm. like, you can check out, but you can't ever leave. Yeah. I mean, he is... He, he want he does want out he wants to do right but he just he you know once you make the choice like there's some co- choices that just have consequences that we well, you know once they're there they're there right mm-hmm. and then you've got the character of Renee who I think is supposed to be this like contrast really really good character who does a really bad thing like he does a re- right mm-hmm. his, I mean his affair with Nero's young wife I mean not only is it um, you know, just not ethical, and we're, we then have something to judge Renee about. Mm-hmm. But also, I think we're supposed to recognize how the guilt is so terrible for yeah. him. Mm-hmm. And again, there's a it's, it's a consequence. There's a there's a child. You can't. You know, all of virtually all of the characters, I think, with the exception maybe of Rhea, Renee's parents. And they all have that aspect. He, you know, he he writes characters that are they're not caricatures. They're very real. Mm-hmm. They're very well developed, and they're all they each of them possesses very noble qualities, and then quite evil qualities. Yeah, I was thinking about Rhea and trying to determine if if there was a what her dark side was. Yeah, um, and I'm still not not sure about that. I think maybe. The way she pushed D was supposed to be sort of a, um, we were supposed to see that as almost an unintentional wrong. Yes. You know? I agree. Um, but I think one of Nero's, uh, the one of the greatest pieces of grace in the book is how how Nero saves Rhea, really, at the end. When, Re- when Rhea is distraught over D's suicide and it just makes her question everything she's believed about identity um how he uh, it is his advice Nero's advice that really saves her mm-hmm. and, and you know when that being that happens very close to the end and so that's where we're left with Nero and I can't help but think we're supposed to see that there is good and and also when he's for when Nero is first talking to Renee about can um people who do bad things be good he he's also try he gives him some advice he gives Renee some advice for what to learn from his kids and he's like from Pecha um learn how to fight against what is not your fault how to play with the cards you got how to play when the cards give you a bad hand from Apu maybe don't maybe don't be like him <laughs> which is kind of funny and then is it possible that he has failed to become profound it is possible he has failed to become profound and then from D my tormented one learn about ambiguity and pain and I just think um maybe it's too simple for us to categorize people as bad and good I and isn't that agree. like as I'm listening to you guys talking isn't that part of the problem that we see in our society today that we have in in in, in this book he makes a lot of commentary on American society and what our society has become in the last year he talks about suddenly lying was funny, the hatred was funny, bigotry is funny, that we have these, what has become basically two, almost two sides in America and how the other deems, judges the other and deems them as wrong and as evil and as bad. And 
not able to see, and this is still tricky because we're still talking about Nazis. I mean, you're still talking about Charlottesville and stuff like that. But just in general, which is a small, small little part of our society, the Nazis are, but just the two sides just judging each other and viewing the other as wrong and like literally hating the other side of I don't know what I'm trying to say I really don't but no I do of we've got to be able to see the value in others opinions right not just opinions but the value in 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 what other people are and not view them as right or wrong and judge them and hate them but to try to do you know what I'm saying mm-hmm yeah yeah that, that like is, is it is it you know even listen to us talk about this conversation about Nero and how we struggle with him because we could easily stop right there and say he's a bad guy his wife was murdered because of him in India he left and went to America and tried to reinvent himself his kids die because of his sins he's a bad guy but there are these good qualities to him. So it's easy for people to make those judgments of you're good and you're bad and label them as such. Um, yeah. And it's hard. Yeah. It, it's, and it's, it is very easy for us to, to want to have, to uh, be able to identify bad guy, good guy, monster, hero, you know. Um, and it's just, it's just not honest. It's just not truth book is also a lot about truth Rushdie says that I, I agree with everything you both just said and then I also think I think he does characterize I, I think like I know he does I think he I think that he does characterize some and call bad bad and call evil evil i mean i think he does draw a line in the sand and i'm not sure i can articulate the difference between nero and the character of the joker mm -hmm. that that he writes in the story uh, um but you know i do think he says it's complex and i do agree that he says his line in the book is that dc was under attack by dc comics that is that um america had left behind reality and entered the comic book universe that the, it was the year of the joker in gotham the cape crusader was nowhere to be seen it was not an age of heroes um and he, and he goes from there and so look i'm i'm trying to figure out where he's draw where he draws the line what it mm -hmm. that's fair you know yeah because he does say this book's about truth, and he does say there's a line. Yeah. Like, there's real and there's not real. There's truth and there's lies. Yeah. There's – so then, like, on the one hand, I feel like he's saying there is – there's good and there's bad. But then I, but then I also think, think he's saying it's super-duper complicated. Yeah, and I wonder how much of it is related to – knowing it's bad and um and moving forward from the bad like if 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 there is grace then you should be able to do something wrong and move forward like Renee does Renee is accepted back into mm -hmm. the arms of in, in a very happy ending yeah. to Suchitra yeah. yeah she's a pretty good character through and through right yeah, yeah and and you know 
that is managed. Like he he doesn't run away from it. He tries to. Then he's he's <laughs> forced to confront what he's done. He's forced to confront his past. They're separated. The time passes, and he he makes his effort. You know, and so that's true. That's a good point. Um, and Nero doesn't quite. So he. Although he does seem to know the difference and he knows that he's done wrong, instead of confronting it, which probably would have just gotten him killed faster, um, but he doesn't confront it and he doesn't and he doesn't allow talking about it. And so what what happens when we have this thing, no matter what it is in our in our past that we that we don't deal with, it'll come back at some point to destroy because yeah. maybe if he'd confronted it, he would have lost his life, but maybe his he would have saved his children maybe right maybe. I mean, yeah that's a really good point i appreciate that thanks <laughs> is it that is it the oristaya that they that he brings up regarding that is that where i i was Ooh. trying to and i can't quite remember enough of the oristaya but or he does a lot of foreshadowing with the greek stories and yeah, stuff man. and so before we know that all the the kids are going to die we he talks he refers it back i think it's to the oristaya Pro, yes am i saying that right uh-huh. okay so um and and so there's this little foreshadowing that um fates will get you and it seems to me that that's what's happened to nero yes and i think apu it, uh, so it's it's interesting that <laughs> that line where he's like don't be like apu so I'm trying to make sense of Apu in this book. I um, he's definitely covered the least, I think. Right, because Renee doesn't know him. Right. Really, because he's well, living away. Mm-hmm. And he's and he does like it's interesting because he's made a choice to go like help people. Right? Isn't he in some kind of service work of some sort? Yeah, mm-hmm. he is. And so that that's interesting. But he's also like stolen his brother's love or you know the woman his brother loves and is still with her but can we fault him for that if he also loved her entire you know can he be entirely faulted for that and then he is the one who wants to go back he's like i think i left home in a bad way it's probably too late but i need to go try and figure it out and ultimately that starts a bad chain of events he says Maybe it's too late. Maybe the dark force has made up its mind anyway. But I'm going to try. And he's talking about going back to India. Oh, right. Yeah, he is. So he's all into mysticism and kind of um, non-traditional forms of spiritual practice. and, um, And seems to be searching for something and nothing seems to satisfy him you know, in that search. And, um, and I guess that's maybe what Nero means when he says, what did, what was the line, Janine? It was like that he had never evolved or he had never, he had never become profound, become profound. Like and, and I think, yeah. but I think, but I do think he's trying. I do think he tries mm-hmm. to be, be profound. I mean, I think he just is, I believe in Nero's forcing his kids to name themselves and be, you know, create this false identity. You know, he present he prevents them in different ways from fully realizing 
self-actuality, you know, fully realizing who they are, mm-hmm. and therefore they're never fully satisfied. You know, they're never. Mm-hmm. Um, but he does it with the best intentions. I think See? so. Yeah. He does it to try to save them. Um, so that's where that's where the complexity is. Because in the end, he loves them. Would you do the same for yeah. your kid? Like, if you make a choice that puts your kid's life in danger, then in turn, do you do anything to try to protect the kid's life? Like, right? An unintentional consequence, something you didn't see coming? Yeah. Then don't you do anything? including bad, bad things mm-hmm. to try to protect them. Yeah. Because he does go on and continue to murder people. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he did. You know. <laughs> like, but don't you... Like his wife's lover. Aren't we supposed to understand, well, yeah, that was just... Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think... Th- I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> We're supposed to remember every now and again, like, bad dude. He's just like, bad like, dude. It, it makes it very complicated. Yeah, it does. I think that's why I'm just sitting here, because it is all so complicated. Um... What did you want to talk about? Well, I mean, I guess that's part of the of the of the uh, going back to the to 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 the complication of it all, and kind of what I said earlier about just the, you know, he. I mean, just straight up, you guys. I, I know that we in the past couple of episodes have talked a little bit about politics, but we're reading these books that are current, and art reflects life, and so there's commentary on on our society. And the Joker in this book is is Trump, and kind of what I said earlier about. He makes a comment about lying was now funny and hatred is funny and bigotry is funny. And he makes a comment about America being torn in half right now about and he and he and he references the the, the city on, on a hill exceptionalism that America has always felt about themselves, that we are the exception to the rule. We're exceptional in, in, in the world, that this great democratic experience I- experiment and nobody else is like us. But. Because, and that's part of our identity, but there's so much, there's so much darkness to our identity too that we have not come to grips with. And part of that is the, the genocide of Native Americans when we first came here. Like I was thinking about that with Columbus Day being on Monday and how some people want to call it Indigenous People's Day. We think about how women have been treated and still are treated in our society. We think about slavery and Jim Crow. We think about what we did in the Cold War. Like, as a historian, y'all, we did some really shady things in the Cold War. That we have this really dark side that's a part of our identity that we don't talk about. That's being talked about right now in terms of women, in terms of of, of race relations in our country. And it's all really bad. But the thing that I think gives me hope in kind of what you said about, about Renee in the end and and, and just the love that you know Nero had in the end for his kids, and this is what he said um, towards the end of the book that you know humanity was the only answer to this cartoon that we're living in, and and that Renee had no plan except to love. Mm-hmm. That in the end, if we do, you know, identify and we talk and we speak about what's causing these cracks in our society and recognize that, yeah, man. We're this great experiment with democracy and freedom, but we've got some stuff that we've got to address these things and and recognize the good and the bad and talk about it instead of pointing fingers. And that's how we can move we're try- on. We're trying here. to hide it. Yeah. Or we've tried to hide it. We've for tried a to hide really it. Really long time. Right. And now 
last 40 years or so, maybe. People don't hide it as much, which has caused a backlash. Like, can you question American exceptionalism? Is that okay? And I think that's a a thing that presidents have had to go through. Like, any time – who was it? Obama? Some president recently – um, or maybe a candidate, like, question American ex- exceptionalism. He was slammed for it, you know? Like, if you think about the, the phrase, make America great again, y'all, <laughs> yes, we are this, we have this enlightened documents, and we're about equality and freedom, but we've had a lot of bad stuff, too, and, and we've got to recognize that. Maybe that's the part with Rhea, that... In many ways, her love for Dee at first was very intellectual. Uh-huh. And that w- what we see is her progress to just love, not not love in a, this intellectual way where she thinks that she has knowledge that can help him be who he is. That's the thing, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, that was done. That was I agree. I, that's, um, I like thinking of it that way. That I mean, Well, her, it's, pr- it's selfish then. It starts out selfishly, what I can do for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it does change. I mean, it does shift. Um, so love, man. Love. I love yeah. this book. This book. Yeah. It, it, it really it, does make you think. All like, the illusions, the style is beautiful. It's funny. Mm-hmm. I mean, Rushdie is just full of humor. He can laugh at himself. These characters yeah. laugh at themselves. He writes stylistically. He writes all these great scenes where he talks about how he would begin scenes and end scenes and what the lighting would be like and how the characters would stand and what they would say. Yeah. It's very, very, very cool yeah. and different. Mm-hmm. What does he say in the end um, about, about hyperbole? And like he, he, he admits, he's like, you I'm know, I'm a writer, yeah. so <laughs> I'm full of hyperbole. Yeah. It's it's just a fun book with the lots and lots of depth to it, but it, it's also just I enjoyed maybe after the first like sixty pages or something. It took me a minute to get into it. Yeah, I kept thinking I don't I don't know the characters enough to like them, and then I started to love um, D and Rhea, and then they take them away from you, and yeah. you don't get them back for a long time. And I was frustrated with it, and then I realized at the end it was very intentional, yeah. like yep. because they were out of Renee's life. Like we, like you feel like you too have neglected them. You don't know what's been going on, right? And, and I, I just think that was kind of brilliant it's structure. Very cool, yeah. very cool. What are we reading next? Right. Do we know yet? We do. Um, I'm so excited to find out. We're going to read "Everything I Never Told You" by Celeste Ng. That's how you pronounce that. It's spelled N-G, but it's Ng. Um, you might have seen her around recently because she has a very popular book out right now called. Little fires everywhere. Yeah, I think, I think is what it is. We're not going to read that one. <laughs> We're reading We're, which one? Uh, Everything I never told you. Okay, but it was also everywhere for yeah. a while. You know, the, the um, little fires everywhere is our follow up. So, so we need to read this one first, anyway. Yeah, I think so. I like okay. to read them in order. Okay. Well, let's do it, everybody. Um, so that's what we're doing. Hey, Thanks. shout out, Josie Campbell. Oh, Hope club. you're having fun at school. How you doing? <laughs> um, all right. Well, thanks for listening. Make sure to check us out on all the places. Um, do Instagram. we have any new likes or no, anything? We don't. Dang it. I, my goal is to try to do something um, starting next week. Can every we? day on a Facebook or Instagram. Would you please like us right now? We're also on, on iTunes. That's where you're listening to this probably. So go there, rate, review, and subscribe. Um, and we're trying to be back in your feeds pretty quickly with Celeste Ng's Everything I Never Told You. All right. Thanks.